Welcome to Bell Interrupted. Are you out of your damn mind? You get to drink from the fire hole! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace! What? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears? Don't do it! You got Tammy and Hello and welcome to Phone Erupted. This is the show where I get to do whatever I want while dealing with the constant antics of Smash. We can review movies, video games, and who knows what else. Episodes could be spooky, too oddly informative to downright stupid. I am your host, Phil Allen, and I do welcome you to the show. Uh, glad to be back with another episode here. Now, I wonder if you've noticed anything. Does my voice sound a little bit different? A little weird? It may, because I, in fact, have a new mixer set up here. There's loud banging going on above me. not sure if you're hearing that. My bulldog must be going nuts. Um, I have a new setup here. So I have new recording equipment, and it sounds a little bit different to me. So I think it might sound different to you. I don't know. There's a little bit of extra compression here on my voice. Uh, I was pretty excited to get this new little setup. It's going to allow me to do a lot of fun things on the show and to do some different things that I wasn't able to do before, kind of behind the scenes, you probably won't really notice or anything like that. But anyway, from a podcasting point of view, I'm I'm pretty psyched about it. And most of my gear before was like 10 years old. Um, my computer that I've been recording on was 11 years old. Replaced all of that. Got a new mixer, new processor, uh, new computer, all that stuff. It's all been replaced. So it's pretty, I'm pretty psyched about it. And uh, we're just going to continue here with a normal show. But like I said, whew, sweet new equipment, baby. Today's podcast is going to be kind of interesting, right? It's going to be a mystery sort of uh, unsolved case for us today. And it is the mysterious, mysterious case of Joshua Maddox. Okay. So we'll get into it, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about it here and there. I'll take little pauses and discuss this case. But this is truly a very, very confusing case. There's a lot of things that don't add up in it. Um, I wouldn't call this true crime because, you know, spoiler alert, I'm not sure if a crime really occurred or not, or this may just be an unfortunate tragedy perhaps. Well, I'll let you be the judge. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the mysterious case of Joshua Maddox. Joshua Maddox lived in Woodland Park, a small city with a population of about 7,500. The town is nestled along the natural beauty of the Pike National Forest in Colorado. Joshua was 18 years old, six feet tall, and 150 pounds. The reason that I tell you the height is because that's kind of important to know later. So just note that. And he was apparently something of a creative mind and a free spirit. He had the, a carefree attitude, everybody said. He grew his hair long, he loved music, and he played guitar uh, and spent a lot of his free time writing uh actual like like writing writing like novels <laughs> who reads those at school he was a bright student and he you know by all accounts it seemed like he was well liked and he was well known within the community uh, his mother and father were divorced and josh lived with his father mike and his two sisters kate and ruth 
On May 8th, 2008, he left the house telling his sister Kate that he was going out for a walk. Now, they say that Joshua loved nature and he would often go out hiking alone. Hmm, I like hiking as well. I don't get to hike nearly as much as I uh, wish I could. You know, uh, New Jersey doesn't have a lot of great hiking. I got to like drive far to get to it. Um, there, I mean, there is some good hiking, like I said, but I got to drive like two hours away to get to like the, some mountains and stuff. Anyway, um, so he liked hiking. Uh, he liked hiking alone. Oh, very, very dangerous. Never go off the path. Never. So his sister thought little of the farewell uh, when he failed to return later that evening. Worry started to settle in. Like, this is very strange. What's, what's, what's this? Is Kevin, you heard about this? Having always been such a free spirit, at first the worry was uh, only a small nagging kind of thing in the back of their minds. However, as the days passed and Josh had still not returned, his father took the disappearance more seriously. And on the 13th uh, in May, he called the police to report Josh missing. Wait a minute. 13th? He disappeared on the 8th. Why you wait five days? I'll tell you what, if one of my kids was missing for five days, I would not wait that long to call the police. I would definitely think something was up. So that's a little bizarre, but five days for a teenager seems like a long time to have no idea where he is. Uh, His dad says, I got up one morning and Josh was there. Then he never came back. Wow, that's groundbreaking stuff, Dad. The next day, he still didn't come home. I called his friends and nobody had seen him. Nobody knows where he is. So it's informative stuff from dad there. The searches were spread far and wide, scouring the neighborhood and the wider Parkland area. Days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months, yet still no clue as to his disappearance had been uncovered. The hope of finding Josh began to fade and his sister Kate spoke of how she had always hoped that he had simply skipped town to go play music or to start a different life and held on to the hope uh, of such a reality. In a post online, she wrote of her brother's disappearance. Since Josh was 18, it has been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town to start a new life. As one of his two older sisters, I have always chosen to believe that this was the case. I have expected Josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and small children so that they can meet their grandparents and two aunts. Josh has always been known for his musical and literary talent, so maybe we would find him playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods. Well, you know, I forget which girl wrote this, Kate. Uh, that's That would be nice um, to believe. I think a lot of time when people go missing like this and they just mysteriously vanish... Obviously, the family would want to kind of believe that, you know what, they just moved somewhere. They were tired of it all because you don't really want to face the reality that probably something more sinister, something worse has happened. Generally speaking, people do not just just disappear, right? That doesn't happen too often. Uh, it tends to be when, when someone goes off the grid like this. Um, there's usually foul play or some sort of a tragedy or something bad has happened. But, you know, I can understand this. This family member has kind of chosen to uh, believe the more 
easy um, outcome. She just decided, you know what? I don't think anything bad's happened to him. He's out there enjoying himself. That's a way of coping. Everyone has a different way of coping, and that was her way um, to try to hold on to hope, you know? Uh, They had no reason to believe that Josh had gotten into any kind of trouble, and he had not given them any worry or concern about his mental health. Uh, Although two years prior to his disappearance, this is kind of sad, a week before his high school graduation, Josh's older brother, Zachary, committed suicide. Uh, Doesn't say why or anything like that. Um, I'd imagine that would be very difficult. His father spoke about the tragic death of his son and how it had affected Josh. I buried his older brother two years before, and it was so difficult on Josh. When his brother died, it pushed him over the edge. Hmm. Pushed him over the edge. What do you mean by that? It was a big shock for the family and a big shock for Josh. He had thought very highly of his older brother. That makes sense. Now, despite this difficult period, however, the family noted that Josh had been doing very well and was happy around the time that he disappeared. Police had no reason to suspect any criminal activity and listed him as a missing person. The searches continued and the missing person file remained open. Now, his father, Mike, retained ownership of the family home after they moved in case Josh would ever return, as that would have been the only place he would have known to go. Uh, But news of Josh remained elusive. So that's interesting. They ended up moving out of that house, but the dad kept ownership, right? He figures if there's ever a chance that Josh is going to come home, this is where he's going to go, you know, his childhood home. And uh, I'm going to... I'm going to keep it. It's an interesting tactic, right? Holding on to hope here. However, seven years later, a local builder by the name of Chuck Murphy made a grim discovery. In 2015, Chuck Murphy, he's a builder from nearby Colorado Springs. He was demolishing an old cabin, an old wooden cabin that he had. Now, the cabin sat on a pretty large patch of land uh, surrounded by some tall pine trees And the cabin hadn't been used for over 10 years, and it had fallen into quite a state of disrepair. Chuck had made the decision to tear down the building to make way for a property development, and the time had come to begin demolishing the decaying building. Now, he originally purchased the cabin in the 1950s. Uh, This is a strange side note, like history of this this uh, little cabin is bizarre. So the little cabin had formerly been the homestead of the Thunderhead Ranch, which was a locally infamous drinking and gambling complex owned by Big Bert Bergstrom. That's pretty awesome. Big Bert, baby. The Bergstroms had come to America from Sweden in 1912 and had run the Thunderhead Inn as a dining and drinking establishment after the end of Prohibition. Party! We're going down to Big Bert's, baby. Um, On the side, however, he used the ranch as an illegal gambling den and was rumored to offer prostitution. Well, like I said, side note, this place was nuts. He was arrested by the FBI, but the jury uh, let him off the hook because people believe that the jurors indulged in some of his uh, services (laughs) that he provided. Well, 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 old Big Bert Bergstrom. How about that? Anyway, so uh, in more recent times, Chuck's brother had lived in the cabin until 2005. 
but since he moved out, it had become basically just a storage facility, and Chuck had rarely visited the property. So now we're talking, that was 2005, and 2015, they decided to start tearing down uh, this old shithole, right? Now, animals have been a problem, and inside of it, there was a uninviting stench. Like Ernest would say, as they dismantled the chimney and reached the interior, Chuck made a horrifying discovery. Now, there, think about this. You're taking down this old chimney. You're probably breaking it down brick by brick. You know, hitting it with some some manual labor, crashing into it. it was a, I don't know what you'd use for that, really. Pickaxe or something. Who knows? I've never taken one down. But they're taking it down brick by brick, and they discover the body of, you guessed it, a young man cramped into the fetal position with his legs jammed up over his head. Hmm. He called the police, who arrived with the county coroner, who, with the help of a forensic uh, specialist, used dental records to positively identify the corpse to be that of Joshua Maddox. He was less than a mile from his family home when he was discovered. So, obviously, we have a mystery, Abru. We can get into a little bit more detail here. The Maddox family was stunned at the news of the discovery of Josh's body, and uh, his sister said, The situation doesn't make any sense at all. We were really expecting him to be anywhere else in the world, but he was actually very close. The only thing we can figure out was being an 18-year-old kid. Maybe he was checking out the cabin. Uh, It had already been abandoned for a long time, and this was a horrible accident. Now, Al Bourne was the Teller County coroner. He undertook an autopsy of Josh's body and found no evidence of any drugs in his system. So that's interesting. A lot of times you think maybe an 18-year-old got shit-faced, smoking weed, doing meth, crack, heroin... Um, all that kind of stuff, PCP. He was on everything and uh, ecstasy. And he, you know, got into some trouble and got stuck in the chimney. You know, when we're all partying hard, sometimes this happens. But it, he didn't He didn't find any drugs in his system. So, okay, right away we know, you know, toxicology report is negative. So he's clean of any kind of foreign substances. So he was probably of the right mind when this happened. Makes it very strange why this happened. The uh, the coroner said the hard tissue showed no signs of trauma, and there were no broken bones, no knife marks, there was no bullet holes. There are no answers to a number of things. It is very confusing. The cabin sat on Meadow Lark Lane, which is only two blocks from the Maddox family home. Yet the searches had overlooked the building. That kind of makes sense. Uh, You know, you're looking around trying to find a body. There's a building there. You can't just break into it to look for somebody. So I'm not surprised that, you know, it was just overlooked. Uh, There had not been any sign of life from the old structure. Uh, It was simply concealed uh, from suspicion due to its abandonment, right? That's basically what I just said. Now, Chuck Murphy, the cabin owner himself, he rarely visited. However, on occasions that he did check in, 
He himself had not really noticed anything unusual about the property. The cabin stood centrally located on a plot of land uh, surrounded by trees offset from the road by about 50 feet. So not not really too far um, off off the street. You would think maybe it might have been more, but only 50 feet. The police suggested that uh, with no adjacent homes, if Josh had cried out for help in the chimney, nobody would have been able to hear him. However, I beg to differ. I've seen images of where the cabin was. The houses really weren't that far. They really weren't. Now, I do understand you say, well, if the guy is trapped up in a chimney, which I always like to say Chim Lee. I always grew up saying Chim Lee and not chimney. I don't know. It was one of those words I always mispronounced. A shocker, right? But um, I think I finally learned how to say it right. He was in the chimney. And if you were stuck and you were screaming at the top of your lungs, the, I do think you're the audio from your voice would travel some distance to get out of the chimney, but obviously it would be severely muffled and sort of uh, uh, concealed, whatever the proper word I'm looking for here, uh, trapped within the chimney. So it wouldn't be able to get up, but you would be able to get some reverb going possibly. And like I said, that the street was only 50 yards away and there were some houses along the street. It wasn't like this was some incredibly isolated, like backwoods cabin and middle of the woods with a, you know, a driveway a mile long. It wasn't like that at all. If somebody had maybe been walking by, it's possible they could have hear, heard him yelling. If, if he did, which I would assume he did, uh, they could have possibly heard that. I don't know. It's it, it's a bit strange to me that, that they say that the, nobody probably would have, would have heard anything. The coroner stated that this was not an instant death. Uh, how he died is only a matter of speculation, but we know that he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. So then you go down the chain and you get to, and you get to dehydration, uh, which can take just a few days, just a few days, right? You got, you need your water. And the other thing that could have possibly taken him out was hypothermia, which can only take a day or two. However, he did not have any evidence to say which one of those terrible things came first. I did check uh, and do some things that said that the temperatures were in the 20s to 50s during that first crucial week that he was missing. I believe it got down to 21, which I think is a little further down here. Eventually, on September 28th, 2015, uh, after failing to find any rational cause, Bourne made the ruling an accidental death. This is again the coroner. His last name is Bourne. Bourne suggested that Josh had climbed down the chimney and became lodged in the brickwork. He concluded the most likely cause of death was hypothermia. But again, he couldn't really make uh, a determination 100%. As the temperature was around 21 degrees at its coldest. Okay, that's what I thought around his disappearance. However, the owner of the cabin, Chuck Murphy, found this conclusion to be far from satisfactory. I don't know. Following the ruling, Chuck questioned the coroner's conclusion of accidental death. Uh, Bourne had stated that Josh's position in the chimney appeared to have been a voluntary act in order to gain access. However, when he heard that, the cabin owner, Chuck made a testimony stating that this would have in fact been impossible 
The chimney had been built 20 years previous, and during its construction, it had been fitted with a steel rebar, which is a large, thick wire mesh type thingy with steel hooks on it. Uh, it's basically a guard, right? It's used to keep animals and debris from becoming lodged inside the chimney or from entering the cabin itself. So it's a, a way to keep out animals, basically. Murphy spoke openly about the rebar, stating that it was a heavy wire gate, a wire mesh. I installed it personally across the chimney, about one row of bricks from the top. We didn't want any trouble with raccoons and other animals getting into the chimney. Makes sense, right? Now, this led to a subtle back and forth uh, sort of arguments between the owner of the cabin and the corner. Kind of an interesting, strange public uh, feud going on between the two of them. Uh, Bourne replied that the grate could have been rusted away, right? Like could have just broken apart or corroded or somehow fell apart and fell off in the wind or something. I don't know. It makes a good point. 20 years, possibly it could have fallen apart. I'm sure the guy wasn't going up and checking on it in the chimney. So I guess it just sort of depends who you believe. You know, the cabin owner saying, no, no, it was there. I guess theoretically it could have been. And the coroner saying, could have fallen apart, man. Which, 20 years, a lot of wear and tear. I suppose it could be possible. The coroner stated that nobody saw the metal mesh rebar. We didn't see any of that in our photos. Uh, it, it just disappeared. However, the coroner did say that during the demolition of the house, you know, I guess the rest of the house is coming down, he said that all the metalwork had been collected and stashed into the back of a truck to be taken to be scrapped. He could not explain exactly what happened to the mesh um, because the homeowner said that it was still on the top of the chimney. So we get, you know, like I said, we got some conflicting uh, opinions here. Finally, the coroner did concede to the homeowner, Murphy. Bourne reopened the case three days after his initial conclusion. It was not only the rebar that caused doubt. However, there were, in fact, several other pieces of information which failed to make any sense to Murphy and led him to doubt the coroner's report. The dots, they just really weren't connecting in this case. There was, for one thing, the mysterious shifting of a large wooden breakfast bar. I'm not exactly sure what that is. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's uh, some sort of a large wooden piece of furniture, similar to maybe like a... Like, some, like a dresser or like some sort of a cabinet type thing. I'm looking at one right across from me in my studio here. It's got like a large base and kind of um, uh, a higher up uh, area on the top with some shelves. Maybe it was something like that. I'm not really sure what a breakfast bar is per se. But he said that uh, it had been torn from a wall in the kitchen and dragged over to block the chimney from inside the cabin. This fact was probably the very reason that Chuck himself had not noticed anything unusual about the chimney in the first place. I would love to know, did this Chuck guy, the homeowner, did he move this piece of furniture or did somebody else move this piece of furniture? If somebody else moved this piece of furniture, that's potentially suspicious, right? That could be a little, little peculiar why they would put it in front of the chimney so you know, you're not looking in there. And again, he's just using this as storage. It's pretty much a junkyard at this point. It's falling apart. It's 
you know, decrepit, derelict, just awful place. No, make it sound really bad, but it's just a cabin that nobody cared about anymore. Anyway, it says this thing was in front of the chimney, which is bizarre. And the question remained that if the breakfast bar had been torn from the wall, then who had done it and why? Now, if that's a question, we're going to probably say that uh, the homeowner, Chuck, did not, he did not do it, right? Josh's body had also been found in the fetal position with his legs above his head and disjointed from his torso. Now, let's take a step back and think about how awful that is. Jesus Christ. So his body was in a fetal position. So he's scrunched up. That's a chimney, right? It's small. He's scrunched up in it and he's, you know, what did I say before? He was 150 pounds and six foot or something like that. So he's scrunched up in this thing and you got to figure his legs are kind of like bent, like up coming like towards his face like as if he was like stretching like you ever done the v-seat back in school you do that v-seat stretch you reach out uh well that's with your legs i guess spread out but his together and there's like bent up god that sounds like an absolutely terrible position to be stuck in it sounds really painful awful um man that's a rough way to go in order to have gotten into such a position he would have had to have entered the chimney head first some people debate that a lot of people debate that this was a fairly unusual position to be stuck in and Bourne, the coroner had earlier commented that he thought it would have taken two people to position him in such a way plot thickens right there he's saying potentially two people but he listed it as an accidental death that sounds like now all of a sudden he thinks it might be a homicide very confusing or at least some people Maybe not like a murder. Maybe it could have been like some friends messing around, helping him get in this position. I don't know. Um, there is also the final question that lingered with Chuck, the homeowner, and it concerned um, no small detail, really. When Josh's body had been found, oh, this is strange. Josh, Josh's body, uh, all the clothes had been removed except for a thin thermal shirt. So obviously this would strike you already as something extremely unusual. However, to make things even more nuts, his clothes were found inside the cabin, folded up next to the fireplace. Right? Your head just exploded. Wait a minute. What I say? What? He's stuck in a chimney. Now you're telling me he's basically naked except for a little thermal shirt. He's got no underwear on, no pants. That's weird. And his clothes are inside the cabin, folded, no less. I guess you could go out on a limb and say, if for some strange reason he was, he tried to get into the house through the chimney, like say he was going to break in and he got stuck. Obviously, he's all folded up like a pretzel, but... Maybe he could somehow try to peel his clothes off in an effort to think that maybe I would help him slip down or something, right? Like, I don't know. Grasping his straws, trying to come up with ideas here. Maybe he thought he could do that. Even if that was the case, then his clothes would have been pulled down and dropped into the bottom of the chimney. And there would just been like a heap of clothes there. They wouldn't have been folded on the inside of the cabin. So it didn't happen that way. Um, I guess we'll get into theories a little bit farther. Let's sort of um, jump in ahead of myself here, but it's just so confusing, so strange. 
the coroner, you know, he admitted that he knew of the clothing and he remarked about them. This one really taxed our brains. We found his clothing just outside the firebox. Now, firebox is the actual area where you would put the wood in and actually have the fire. It's called a little firebox. I was just called, I always thought it was just called a fireplace, but it's got a technical name. It's the firebox. Uh, again, he states here that uh, Josh only had on a thermal T-shirt. We don't know why he took his clothes off. Uh, took his shoes off, took his socks off, and why he went outside, climbed on the roof, and went down the chimney. It is not linear thinking. So again, the coroner believes that he went down the fireplace and not up. He quickly concluded that given his options, that the cause of death being accidental death, murder, or undetermined causes, he finally concluded once and for all, that we have come up with the most plausible explanation and it will remain an accident. He did come down the chimney and that is our final conclusion. The cabin owner Murphy's rebuttal was less than subtle. He was not happy. He stated, there is no way that guy crawled inside that chimney with that steel webbing. He did not come down the chimney. Murphy remained convinced that the death of Joshua Maddox had been no accident. As it happened, uh, the coroner had mentioned that several calls had been made to both the police and the coroner's office, suggesting leads and naming suspects that had bragged of killing Josh. I think this might be a little bit out there, but we'll still uh, go into it. There's this eh, maybe potential suspect, right? The main suspect was spending time in a Texas jail and had previous time served previ- previous time in Seattle and Portland prisons with a long list of violent criminal behavior. The tips had told uh, of how he apparently was the last man to have been seen with Josh. But the coroner, I don't know why I keep saying the coroner, don't you think this is the coroner and the police together, could not place him at the crime scene. When speaking of the man, I believe his name was Andy. I could be wrong here. I think his name might have been Andy. He said, they can't give me any specific times or any specifics, and we can't generate stuff that goes back seven years. So basically, like, you know, we can ask people all we want, but if people really don't know and don't remember, I mean, seven years ago, it's going to be hard to get information out of people. And if they're like, I do remember that, I do it's not going to be the most reliable information. There's going to be, people are going to want to believe that they may have seen something. Some people could just be straight up bullshitting to get attention. It's hard to say. I mean, I think everybody can agree with this. You probably don't even remember what you had for lunch last week or even just yesterday or a few days ago or what clothes you wore. Some people remember that stuff, but other people don't. So your memory is just not going to be great after seven years. Be like, I don't know who said what. Were they joking around? I don't know. So he's saying it was a hard to find information from seven years ago, which makes sense. Reliable information. Uh, they also doubted that the man would have been able to have positioned Josh in the chimney in such a way that he was found. Now, that's dubious and confusing because they just said a second ago that it probably would have taken two people to do this so i mean what the hell is it does it take two people or or not like i just i feel like there's such conflicting evidence which again makes this so mysterious so confusing to keep the story going along here we get to another person who 
uh, basically posts something on Reddit, which is online, sort of like a forum type thing. Uh, he posted something, well, we say he, I'm not quite sure who it was, but in 2015, this person posted uh, some interesting potential um, information about the case. Uh, it reads as if it was made from somebody who may have known one of the very people that the coroner had been speaking of possibly this mysterious person the post gave a name to the suspect which was andy i believe which leads to many new facts and abbreviated version of the post is as follows which tells his side of the story this mysterious reddit person which i can't believe if you do a little research i couldn't have figured out who it was but this reddit person says i went to high school with this skinny dorky hippie kid named andy who played guitar in a band I was never good friends with him or anything, but a year or so after I graduated, one of my good friends, Josh, started hanging out with him and they went missing. And then went missing, excuse me. It turns out, in addition to becoming a lot scarier looking, Andy had indeed headed down to New Mexico where he found himself shooting the shit with the caretaker of a disabled guy and got invited over to their apartment. The caretaker went to take a shower, and when he came back, the disabled guy was stabbed to death, and Andy was gone. Oh, my God. When Andy got arrested, he also claimed to have killed a woman in Teos, which is also in New Mexico. I think that's the famous place with the Teos hum. What is that weird sound that only some people can hear, and it drives them crazy? It's like, hum. <laughs> I don't really know what it sounds like, but that's what I envision. The Teos hum. Check it out. That's, that's a real thing. Anyway, uh, and he said that he stuffed her body in a barrel. The cops had indeed found a woman stuffed in a barrel in Teos, but they already had somebody in custody for it and decided to stick with their first person, the first suspect. Years later, I found out that the caretaker had died in a bar fight, and without him, the cops didn't have much in the way of evidence, so the case against Andy was dropped. Now, several of us went to the cops saying, Yo, Josh, who went missing, was last seen with Andy, who's a murderer. Maybe you should check that out. Kind of turned a little Stallone-ish there. Hey, yo, Josh, who went missing, was, uh... That wasn't very good, sorry. Now, despite a fair amount of pestering, nothing really came of it. And by nothing, I mean that the police mostly didn't even return our phone calls. That was the end of the reddit post i don't know i don't know how much stock i put in somebody who just puts something on the internet and then never speaks of it again if you have real potential clues and evidence go talk to the freaking police he says that they had their phone calls there and stuff i don't know i would have liked to believe that the police would have taken that seriously and if this it sounds like it's just like some kid right Went to high school. I don't know. I don't know what to believe of that, but I don't put a whole ton of stock in it, to be honest with you. Uh, One last thing about that Reddit post here. I guess this is kind of interesting. Andy, that potential stabbing spree he went on with the disabled person. It's a confusing story. Uh, People had heard Andy bragging that he put Josh in a hole. Mm. So that was just one last note about that. Sounds like hearsay to me. There was one other Reddit post, which I thought was hilarious. Some guy wrote, this is just my opinion, but I don't care who you are. You don't try to climb 
head first down a chimney via a hole rusted through a metal grate with your dick hanging out. Makes a damn good point. That's a damn good point. If you're naked, you're not going to jump through something like that, right? I, it, it sounds preposterous. Uh, there is another article here. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm fumbling here with this Andy part. Um, Andy, he does exist, right? They did find him, and he, he is a music lover. He played in a band. And this is actually, actually is true. His name was Andrew Richard Newman. So this guy was real. I'm kind of blowing off the Reddit report um, or post, I should say. But he was this. Oh, my God. Yeah, look at this. He was arrested on suspicion of a fatal stabbing in New Mexico. Uh, during high school, he had played guitar in a band. Okay. Seemed like he was well-liked, well-known. Yes, yes. Uh, the article, there is an article about his New Mexico stabbing. People describe him as intelligent, very smart. He left the state, traveled nomadically, kept in contact with some old friends. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some of the, I guess, potential theories as to how he could have gotten in there. Because the the case of Joshua Maddox, it's, it's utterly perplexing for several reasons, really. It seems fairly safe to presume that the homeowner, Chuck Murphy, is to be believed concerning the rebar on the chimney. Because really, after all, like what possible reason would he have to lie about the existence of it in the first place? Like what would be the point of that? However, when you start to consider some of the other outlying factors, the clothes by the fireplace, the breakfast bar dragged over to cover the fireplace, and the strange final resting place of Josh Maddox, it seems like this is a mystery that would never be solved, but we're going to think a little bit about this. Okay, so if the clothes are in the inside of the house, that means that he was probably already in the house. Say he, let's just for now say he acted alone. If he acted alone and he was inside the house, he then decided to take off his clothes. I have no idea. I can't, I can't seem to rationalize why anybody would do that. I can't seem to come up with any reason. But so say he folded up his clothes and and went outside in the, some chilly weather, went outside and then had to find like a ladder or something to get on top of the roof because it's not easy to just get on a roof. So there must have been something that he used. They make no mention of a ladder being found or anything like that. Got up onto the roof and then for whatever reason maybe like maybe he locked himself out maybe that's why he had to go you know outside and thought maybe the chimney was a great way to try to get back in but if he was already in the house maybe he had maybe found the door open or he broke a window no they did say there was no windows broken no foul play it doesn't make sense why the hell would you go into the chimney Unless maybe he had gotten through the chimney before. Maybe he did it the first time. But it doesn't make sense. I don't understand why his clothes would be off. Some people I had read said, oh, well, obviously he was screwing around with some friends. Well, he wasn't doing drugs or anything, so that's a no. But say he was screwing out with some friends. I would like to believe that if you were messing around with some friends or something like that, broke into some cabin... If you fell down the chimney, I would really hope that your friends would fucking come clean and tell somebody. Because that seems like an awfully ridiculous thing to 
uh, never disclosed to anybody. Like, you keep your mouth shut about what happened to Josh. You understand? Like, I'd be like, no, I feel terrible. Like, we didn't kill him. We need to tell somebody. Like, it was horrible what happened. So I kind of tend to believe that there was probably nobody else involved. I really do. I really don't think there was anyone else. As for the rebar, the mesh thing on the chimney, I think it's open to debate. I don't. It was never found. Um, if it if it had fallen off the house when it was being torn apart and it got sold for scrap, nobody will ever know. But really, it's hard to say one way or another. And I'm, I'm probably just going to lean towards it doesn't really matter whether the bar was there or not. If they found him in the chimney, I guess it was gone, right? I mean, I guess. A couple other things we'll go into is I do find it a bit peculiar the the breakfast bar thing being pulled from the wall or wherever it was and shoved in front of the fireplace that seems strange to me and the homeowner doesn't remember doing it, it seems strange to me for sure and another theory is that maybe Josh was trying to go up the chimney uh, I, I've researched stuff about chimneys that I never knew before. I never thought I would know uh, when reading this case. So you can go into the firebox, and if you look up, there's like what they call the flue, or I always thought it was a flume, but I guess it's called a flue. That thing you pull that sort of shuts the chimney from the outside, or opens it so smoke can go up when you actually have a, an active fire. It goes up the chimney there. If that's open... It's a very small area in most chimneys, right? I guess if you have a monstrous chimney, you could easily kind of stand up in it. But most of them, I think it's going to be fairly small. It kind of goes up and on like a curvature angle. And then there's almost like a ledge, right? And what that ledge there is, it kind of acts as an area where if rain comes in, so rain's you know, it's raining really hard, it's coming on a sharp angle, and rain or snow or something like that can get inside the chimney, or say leaves or something getting blown around. Say they do get through that protective metal, uh, or it's just to keep out the animals, and it falls down in, it's so it doesn't go right down onto your fire, right? So if rain like i said or leaves wouldn't fall down right onto your fire there's kind of like a ledge that it would hit and then if you move over you know it depends on the chimney but another six inches another foot or whatever it then goes down into the firebox on kind of a curved angle it's hard for me to describe it's almost like a little roof over the firebox and then from that little ledge it goes basically straight up and out the top some people theorized that it's possible I don't know why he wouldn't just let himself out, but he, for whatever reason, decided to try to go up the chimney. He'd have to be very skinny and he's a lanky kid, but that that theory is a bit confusing to me as well because you would you don't really understand his final resting spot, if that's the case. If he got stuck trying to go up it, I mean, I don't know who the hell would try to climb a chimney um, if you just think about it like that. Like, who the hell would do that? It would seem impossible to do. Like, why anyone would attempt it is beyond me. But again, if he did, there's no way he would really get stuck with his legs above his head. So I I can't seem to understand any, like, reasonable explanation of this. Nobody would dive headfirst down a chimney. I think it's safe to assume that, right? Like, nobody would actually do that. Like, right? <laughs> like, 
I'm not being crazy saying that. Like, who the hell would do that? If you were to try to go down a chimney, you would, I would think you would go down feet first, right? And I guess if he did go down feet first, maybe that's how his body got caught up and his legs got yanked up like above his head, you know, got kind of cru- like his body got crushed, like folded up and his legs were, you know, over his head and get a hell of a stretch, hell of a stretch, stretch those hammies out. I don't know. I, I really, I'm scratching my head here. I can't seem to understand why any of this it would happen. It doesn't make sense. I also find it a little interesting that Chuck Murphy, the cabin owner, why did he know, did he, when did he notice the clothes? Okay. Because it says the clothes were folded right outside the fireplace. This happened seven years before he decided to destroy the house. Seven years. Okay. That he was going to that cabin, checking up on it, maybe taking some stuff, dumping some stuff off. And he didn't notice the clothes for seven years. Now, if it really was as shitty as a place as he says it is, maybe he saw the folded clothes, didn't think anything of them, thought maybe they were his brothers or something like that. Like literally just, you know, when you're a place where there's crap laying all around, you may not question every little piece. I mean, I'm sitting in my studio here. I've got my microphones. Um, I've got this new mixer in front of me. Oh, it's glorious. I'm touching it. It's got such cool colors and stuff. Um, I have some PA speakers over there that I use to play at youth football games. I've got trophies over here. You got to shine trophies. You know that. I got a laptop here. But over in the corner, there's kind of a messy little area. There's some boxes. There's like a some sort of like a tin pan used to like cook a chicken or something. There's a spare computer keyboard and some plastic bags i'm not really sure what all is over there it's just sound like a little junk pile in the corner of the room not sure how that accumulated let's say the cabin was kind of like that maybe the cold the the uh and let's just say those the folded clothes were kind of like not out in the open like that like sort of tucked away all right maybe then i could see how maybe he wouldn't notice it but seven years a long time to go clothes being there if they say they were out in the open right say they were out in the open that's a long time to go i don't know i i really don't know what my final theory is on this because every theory that i try to make i end up sort of debunking right like i'm like well that wouldn't have happened that couldn't you couldn't have done that i don't think it was that guy andy i think that was a stretch i really do I don't think he committed suicide either. I I can't understand why anyone would go in the chimney in the first place. If you broke in or... Because he couldn't have been trying to break in because his clothes were already there. Right? So he wasn't trying to break in. I I really just can't seem to put my finger on it. Maybe, Maybe you guys have an idea of what the hell is going on in this case. Maybe I'm missing something. Everything I read, nobody else could seem to figure it out either. I think the most logical explanation is that this is, again, some sort of an accidental death. I'm not really sure what else you would list it as. Undetermined? I guess undetermined might be even better. It is truly one of the more bizarre cases uh, that I've come across in recent time. 
and it's uh i don't i don't think there's ever going to be any resolution to this because i think you know they always say about cases the sooner things happen like the first 48 hours or whatever is when you're going to find out the actual like conclusion a summary like you actually find out like the real nitty-gritty facts of what happened in the case the truth it's been a long time now since this happened it's been what six years since he was discovered I think something would have come out by now, and I just don't think that anything is really going to ever come of this case, unfortunately. But if you guys have any ideas, please, please send them my way, because I need help figuring out this case. I've been thinking about this case. Have you heard about this? You read about this, Kevin? I've been thinking about it, Kevin. And I've been boggling my brain. It's been boggling my brain trying to figure this out. So if you guys do have an idea or some sort of theory that I brushed over and... Um, you're like, yo, how could you not have considered this? Please send me an email at philinterrupted at gmail.com. I want to know your theories. Please help me figure this out. Guys, I, I do hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know I stumbled and fumbled my way through it at times because my head was being blown. Even though I knew the case already, I prepared for the podcast, I still got confused and blown away just by some of the strange facts that are a part of this case. Guys, I hope you are enjoying this new mixer. I'm excited about some of the fun new stuff I'm going to do with this new podcast gear. Very exciting stuff for me. With that being said, that's all I have on the case of Joshua Maddox. Guys, thanks for tuning in. We are making moves here on Film Erupted, and we will catch you next time. Peace out! A lot of times you think maybe an 18-year-old got shit-faced, smoking weed, doing meth, crack, heroin, um, all that kind of stuff, PCP. He was on everything and uh, ecstasy. And he, you know, 